Welcome to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. A podcast about events, travel, and the people who love both. Find more episodes at vacationraces.com. Welcome back to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. Today, we are talking Joshua Tree Half Marathon. This is our final event of the 2022 season, and it's always such a party in the desert. So we're excited to invite you out here to 29 Palms in the Joshua Tree National Park area. I have race director Anna Basso with me in studio. Well, she's in Italy, but I'm in studio. And together through technology, here we are. Joshua Tree, it turns into just a big party. Yeah, it's a party in the desert. That's what I always say. It really is. And our, I love our location at this Joshua Tree campground that we're at. Am I, is that the right name for it? Joshua Tree Campground? Yeah, the official name is the Joshua Tree Lake RV and Campground. All right. That's, so if you're headed out, this is where our start finishes. This is where our expo is. But it's such a fun venue out there because it's sort of a music festival venue, right? Yeah, they've got things scheduled year-round. Um, star, star parties, stargazing parties a campground all year round, um, and just various music festivals too. Yeah. So it's kind of a party place and we just take it over and have a great run that starts in the evening. 6 p.m. is our start time for Joshua Tree. And this is our only full nighttime race. I mean, we have other nighttime races, Anna, like Zion at night we did this year and we did Cedar Breaks at night. But this Mm -hmm. one is our is our only real like full half marathon where everybody starts together at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only one where the, the way it works out is it's one mass start and everybody's done by midnight. Whereas the other at night races, it goes through the night. You can kind of pick your time. This is more of a, a grand bang right at the beginning and everybody kind of starts and ends roughly in that four hour window. Nerding out on data, perfecting the optimal training and nutrition plan, aiming for progression in PRs. Sound like you? Well, Gnarly Nutrition can relate. Featuring a full line of honest sports nutrition products, Gnarly provides the best nutrition possible for all types of mountain athletes. Because they offer great tasting and reputable products, Vacation Races trust Gnarly to be the on-course hydration sponsor. With the low-calorie, high-electrolyte Gnarly Hydrate for shorter races and the calorie, electrolyte, and amino acid-filled Gnarly Fuel 2.0 for longer races. Gnarly is here, taking the bonking out of your big day. Use code vacation 15 during checkout at gonarly.com for 15% off. I was looking at the demographics and we have 46 states coming. And what's most interesting about who's coming to Joshua Tree, I think, Anna, is that there are 12% first timers. So there's going to be a lot of veterans here, a lot of alumni of vacation races. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't mean that's a bad thing for you first timers. Actually, I think it's a great thing for you for first timers because you're with a whole bunch of really knowledgeable people who have been out there running. And so it's a good group to be with, but eight countries at least going to be there. And about a third of the people have never, ever been to Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm excited for y'all to come see this park. It's um, it's an interesting park because until you get into it, you're kind of wondering, where is it? What is it? But once you get into the park boundaries, it's actually very beautiful and there's lots to see. You know, that's a really good point that you're making, Anna, because where we run the race is really close to the entrance to Joshua Tree National Park, but it looks so starkly different than once you get into the park. The park 
it really is these like two deserts that are meeting Mojave and Colorado just mm-hmm. meet right there in Joshua Tree. And the, should I call it flora and fauna, the cactus, the cacti there are so like lush. Is that a word when we're talking about the desert? Yeah, yeah sure. The, the, the desert can definitely be lush. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And what's I find most interesting about it is how different it is from Saguaro when we go down to Tucson for our Saguaro half marathon. Even the desert down there looks different than what it does in Joshua Tree. So you really have to get into this park and check it out. So we encourage you to do that. Of course, we have our Neo Caching app that you can download and it will give you some great suggestions. Race Guide also has some awesome suggestions for where to go, but go in the park. It's very different from where we're going to be running the race. And we run the race in this area, not necessarily because it's beautiful for this course, Anna. Kind of talk us through what this course kind of is. So the the nature of this course, um, it's it's not as scenic, which is one reason, to be honest, why it's at night. But also it's to get out of the desert heat. It's to enjoy the night sky. It's to to appreciate, you know, that beauty of that serenity in running in the desert. So it's, you're going to, you're going to compensate for night sky views and a different atmosphere and a different race experience for some of those views that you might normally expect at a, a different half marathon event put on by vacation races. A different kind of beauty because there is nothing like running in the desert at night. It's usually pretty mild temperatures. It's very comfortable. It's very quiet. And you have the best views of the night sky from this course because there's really nothing obstructing the night sky out there on our course. Yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, you you are in a somewhat residential area, but it's not it's not heavily populated. There's there could be named roads, there could be roads that are they're named on a map, but there might not be a sign. And there's maybe one house for every mile. There's a couple small neighborhoods you're going to pass in and out of. But in general, you're not in a highly populated area. And so you do feel that that um, aloneness or that that surreal feeling of just kind of being out there in nature. Yeah, for sure. And you're not going to be alone. How many people do we expect for this? We've got about 2,000 runners that will be with you. So you uh, aloneness probably wasn't my best choice in <laughs> words, but you, it's a good chance to kind of kind of feel just yourself out, out there. Um, but yeah, you'll be with other people. You're, you can have your friends, veterans, newbies, all of the above, and it's going to be a great time. Yeah, it really will be. And most of the course is actually on dirt or sandy roads. There is mm-hmm. a little bit of pavement towards the backside of the course around, oh, maybe mile six-ish, we get into some pavement back there. But the most of it is going to be on dirt and sand. Let's talk about the sand before we really go too far here, because everybody hears sand and they like, oh my gosh. So talk about the sand, Anna. Okay. So this sand is different than what, um, if you've come to some of our other events of say Antelope Canyon or Zion, or even sections in uh, Lake Powell or events at Trail Fest, trying to think of the other sandy type um, terrains we've got. The sand is a little bit different, and there are sections of deep sand, but it's not all deep. There's harder packed sections, um, but the sand, it's um, it's less fine. It's more of a large gravel, which can be good and bad. So the, the pro is it's easier to run on. It's easier to keep traction. The con is those pebbly gravels, if you look at it on a, in a, you know, in a magnifying glass, 
it's quite angular and could be on the sharp side, if you will. And so if those bits of gravel and sand gets into your sock and shoe, it can kind of be an irritant. So gaiters, gaiters, I'd still recommend. Um, it can help keep a lot of the sand out of your socks and shoes as you're running. It's not going to prevent everything, but if you've got gaiters, I'd recommend bringing those for sure. Yeah, I agree with you too, because that kind of gravelly sand is... It, it just, it, like you said, it's an irritant. It's more annoying than anything. And th- so those gators really help to keep it out. And gators, we're not talking about a sand gator or anything like that. Some people find these like Sahara Desert gators. And I'm like, whoa, those are a little bit of overkill. A gator just <laughs> simply covers your shoe. And um, if your shoe doesn't have the attachments for the gator, if you have a trail shoe, a lot of trail shoes have attachments for that, like an ultra or something like that. But If they don't, most of the gators will come with some way to attach it to your shoe. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of covers the laces and that opening where your foot goes in. So nothing else gets in it and it keeps all those rocks out. So gators are really kind of a shield. Yeah. And it can get a little bit dusty because of the sandy dirt conditions on this road and Mm -hmm. 2000 people. So if you are a little more sensitive to dust, maybe carrying a buff with you or something, just if it's you want to pull it up over your mouth or something like that. We never really have a a huge problem with dust on this course, but it can get dusty. It has, it doesn't rain yeah. much in the desert. That's a really good idea. And there are sections. Um, the road is not closed to runners only or the race event, just so you're aware. So there could be vehicle traffic on occasion. Um, it's not, again, it's not a highly populated area, but there, there could be cars present and that alone could pick up a little bit more dust than you'd like. So having a buff or something to guard against that, if, vehicle traffic picks up or if you're in kind of a bigger group of foot traffic with the race and fellow runners running with you, uh, a buff could help out with that. Yeah, something like that. But the one thing you do have to have for this race is what, Anna? A headlamp or some light, some illumination. And I highly recommend that not being your phone because one, you're going to want to keep your phone for pictures and keep your battery up to up to like high, high charge. But yeah, your phone I would say does not pass as a viable light source. Yes, it's got a flashlight, but please bring a headlamp or a flashlight or something that's going to illuminate the path. And it's also going to help you be seen too. So every every runner must have a headlamp. We start the race as the sun sets and there's, there's not a continuous illumination along the course. All of our aid stations are going to have balloon lights. You'll have enough light to kind of see the area to find where the toilets are or get some nutrition or get some water or hydration, but you won't be able to see unless you've got a form to illuminate your own path. So everybody's kind of got to be kind of self-sustained on that front. Yeah. So go grab a headlamp, a waist lamp. We don't care. A Kagala that hooks onto your pack or something like that, but make sure you have a light. And can I just do a shout out for a waist lamp? You guys, waist lights. Anna knows this. I am like a waist lamp snob now. I think they are the best (laughs) There's a lot not of sponsored, them. I'm not sponsored. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm, there's a lot of them on the market these days. And so just, it'll change your life. It's then you don't blind people too. I hate that Anna, when somebody yeah. comes up to you and they're like talking to you and they don't realize that they literally have 600 lumens directly into your pupils. <laughs> so waist lamp, it, it gets that light a little bit lower to the ground. So you have a really good visual path and it keeps it out of your eyes and other people's eyes. Waist yeah. lamps, my big I recommendation. Concur. 
my I big recommendation. Prove. But make sure you have it. Please don't use your phone. Can I tell a funny story? One time, of course I'm going to tell a funny story because you guys are captive audience. I was running here. Anna and I live in the desert, though she's in Italy. She lives in the desert as well over here in southern Utah. And I was out running one morning and my waist lamp totally died. I had forgotten to charge it. It died in the middle. And I was on a trail called Kentucky Lucky Chicken which is quite a technical trail. It's very, very rocky, big rocks and lots of tripping hazards. My light goes totally out. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I had to use my iPhone, which I was glad that I had for the time being, but it was not good. It did not work very well. So don't use it. I can imagine that you're 600 to 800 lumens going dark. You turn on your iPhone and you're just, you're just kind of squinting, crouching over, looking for your next spot. It, yeah. Step over the rock. It was not, it was not good. <laughs> subpar to what you were using. Yeah. Not good. So make sure you have a good headlamp or a waist light, something like that. And how about dressing up, light yourself, wear something reflective, have some fun with yeah. this. We always have people who show up with lights of some sort on their bodies or glow sticks or something. Have some fun with this one. It, it yeah. really is the perfect place to do that. It's kind of the tail end of Halloween. So I feel like a lot of people will kind of carry over whatever they had going on for Halloween into this weekend too. And so, you know, co costumes are not banned as long as you are safe, as long as it's not hindering other runners around you. And as long as we can see your bib number and identify that you are the runner to attach that bib. Feel free to dress up or make yourself illuminated however you can or want, and want to. Yeah, have some fun with it. And when all of the Halloween stuff goes on sale, like the day after Halloween, go grab a bunch of glow sticks. Hydration has never looked so good. Hydroflask brings you the best and brightest bottles, tumblers, and outdoor kitchenware. Strikingly simple and durable. Hydroflask reusable items are perfect for your outdoor adventures. Discover your best travel mate on hydroflask.com or follow at hydroflask on Instagram. The aid stations and everything will be illuminated out there. We will have our typical six aid stations out on the course. They're going to have gnarly hydrate, which is the electrolyte drink. They're going to have water and they're going to have honey stinger gels and we'll have some cut up fruit, bananas and oranges towards the later aid stations, seven and 11. So you're going to be well taken care of out there. Do remember we are cup free at vacation races. So you've got to bring your own hydration system or you need to, if you bought one of the little cups that we have at the the reusable cups at registration. You'll get that when you check in or you can purchase one of those at merchandise when you get there. But you got to have something to put the water in because hands and mouths on water jugs, not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. And I want to remind a lot of times our, our fastest runners, you know, they'll often skip multiple aid stations or all of them even. That's, that's not too uncommon. But including the finish line, we do not have cups even at the finish. So even if you're not the type that refuels or hydrates at every aid station or any, um, you might want to carry a cup with you because we don't have cups at the finish line even. And I love those new cups that we have this year because they're just those hydropack cups. They collapse into nothing. They weigh nothing. You can shove them in a sports bra. You can put them in a waistband, a pocket. Yeah. They're they're not Yeah, there's heavy. no reason you shouldn't be able to carry it. Yeah, they're not cumbersome at all. They're They're really easy to just kind of stuff and have there. So Make sure you do have that out there on the course and we'll take care of you. Okay, we've kind of talked about the course. We've, we're going a little bit backwards today, but that's okay. We we like to jump into the course and talk about all those fun excited. things. We get excited. We get excited. So let's kind of take it back because what I do really like about this event is it's all one day where we have our expo and then we go right into the race. So let's break down this timeline so that everybody's really familiar with what things are happening. 
Of course, we said that the expos at that Joshua Tree Lake RV and campground. So it's on Sunfair Road in Joshua Tree. Everything's easy to find in Joshua Tree, Anna. I feel like everything's just like a right or a left and straight down the road. (laughs) You have it. Yep. Just make sure you make that right or that proper left or that proper right. Right. So Sunfair Road is where it's going to be. You can find directions in the digital race guide. We have a link there for you. But what time does the, the expo officially start? It begins at 10 a.m. on Saturday, November 5th. So 10 a.m. is when it's going to start. Don't come earlier because we're not going to be able to to take care of you before 10 o'clock. But 10 o'clock yeah. is when that expo starts. Are we going to have some good vendors this year? So we've got a good amount of vendors coming to this event. We've got Honey Stinger. They'll be there actually running with you all. So a team from Honey Stinger who supplies our gels, energy gels, will be there present. Um, we have Barnana that's going to be there. Visit 29 Palms is often there. Um, they're local. Uh, Leave No Trace will be there. They are great. Hoplark, they are a non-alcoholic beer. They will be there present. And we've got Monica Skinner's Glisten Jewelry and, of course, our merchandise as well. Awesome. Well, that would be really fun. And Monica has those vacation races designs, those charm designs. So they're like little mini finisher medals if you want to have charms that go on. It's really, really cute what she's got. And like you said, Leave No Trace, I love those guys. They always bring a fun rig and they have a lot of information about getting outside and making sure that we leave no trace. And that's a big thing for vacation races. So some fun vendors. And the one thing, what was the non-alcoholic beer? What was their name? They're called Hoplark. Hoplark. Are they going to be selling... They actually came to our Rocky Mountain event earlier this year, and they bring two flavors of non-alcoholic beers for you to try. And they should be they should be sticking around for the finish line too. So if if okay. you're wanting to save that for later, you can do that. Versus if you if you didn't want to get too heavy in the stomach with extra liquid before the race, that's totally understandable too. Cool. All right. So they will be around as well. Any food options we have this year? We will have a handful of food vendors. Those are not all solidified quite yet, but we've got a a few local food vendors that always come out to this event. So you've got a few options to eat and grab a bite to eat there at the finish line or as the expo kind of tapers towards the end of the day. Okay, cool. So, because we are a little bit remote out there, the Joshua Tree Lake Mm -hmm. campground is not really close to any commercial areas or anything like that. So we will have some options for you out there. With all that. Okay, so the expo starts at 10, and that expo is going to run until what time, Anna? It's going to run until 5 p.m., um, okay. but there's there's a piece that I want to kind of advise. So if you're planning this trip and you're wanting to go into the park and you want to go that day, please come to the expo early enough so that you can then get to the park, explore, have some fun, but then come back in time. Because due to the nature of the expo ending, same day and then the race starting, we do need everybody to be parked by a specific time. So there's a lot that's happening. So even though the expo goes until five, we're asking for all the cars to be parked no later than 4.30. I know some of you might be listening thinking, well, yeah, I can push it till five. Like take this moment to say, this is me talking to you. No, please do park by 4.30. Um, We've got a lot of people coming to this event and it's kind of a a one way in, one way out. I mean, there's a back road that gets around, but there's no straight shot way other than this one main road of Sunfair Road that gets to this location. So and, and the event's the, starting. Right. The event starts on that road too. Yeah. Yeah. Because the because the race itself, we've got to get everybody lined up and you think, oh, the race isn't going to start till six. I've got plenty of time. But with 2000 runners, we've got to get you parked. We've got to get you situated. 
because there's a little bit of intersection happening. So we need the cars off the road so that we can make way for the runner traffic to get back onto the road. So if you can make it a point to be parked no later than 4.30, I'd advise that if you are coming by 3, 3.30, I, I would say don't plan to leave. So if you wanted to get a bite to eat, not at this area, um, do that in town, do it at 29 Palms and then come no later than 3, 3.30 and then just plan to stay there and be parked for the duration of the evening. Yeah, good recommendations on that. So 4.30, you guys, you need to be parked by 4.30, which means you need to be driving from Joshua Tree or from 29 Palms at about 4.10 because it's going to take you about 20 minutes to get down that road. And we've learned, Anna, I mean, the very first year, let's go back back in time to what happened the very (laughs) first year when we're like, okay, everybody, make sure to get parked early and stuff like that. And that did not happen. And we had so many cars on the road waiting to get into the parking lot, but the race needed to start too. So there was people that were caught in their cars watching everybody start, but we had to start the race and they had to wait until they got parked and everybody gets stressed and they're running out of cars and it makes for a very not good scenario. So do yourself a favor, 430, make sure you're parked by because we're... Or serious as a heart attack on that one. So make make sure, because it turns into field of dreams out there and you're all just sitting in your cars in the middle of the desert waiting to get parked. So it'll be, it'll be good though. Okay, you're going to pick up your race bib, which has your timing chip on it. You're going to get your race shirt. And if you purchase one of those reusable HydroPack cups, you're going to get that at Packet Pickup as well. Uh, what about gear drop as far as, because we're starting at six, we're going to line up, of, of course, well before that. Are we going to have a gear drop or, I mean, you're going to be parked right there so you could just use your vehicle. Yeah, take advantage of your vehicle since it's so close, but we will have gear drop. Um, it's, if, it's if you wanted something right near the finish line because it is a start and finish at the same location. So it's not a long commute from where you drop off your bag. Likely it's going to be the exact same spot, but more organized by the time you return to the finish. So we will have gear drop there. With um, We have basically a white garbage bag with markers. You can fill it out with your name and your bib number on it and then put any belongings you'd like to in there. I will say disclaimer, don't put your valuables, don't put your hotel key or your car, car keys, keys in there just because those can fall out and just they're just such a high value. You don't want to risk something happening in the rare case that something might happen. So be mindful of that. It's more just for some layers of clothing or like a snack that you might have some special thing you want to eat after the race. So keep that in mind. But yeah, your car is so close. And if you just run with a simple little key in your pocket or pack, you can just keep all that locked away in your car if you choose. Yeah, perfect. And as far as the weather, while we're kind of talking about gear here, let's talk about the weather. It's fairly mild in this area and it can be pretty warm during the day. So during the expo, I would say expect it to be somewhere in the 80s. It's going to be somewhere in the Mm -hmm. 80s. The sun is going to feel really hot and in the shade is going to be really nice. And when we start the race, things are just going to cool off from there, but it's generally pretty mild. So don't get too excited that you're going to be freezing. It's going to cool off, but it's not going to severely chill down, if you will. So, you know, like Colleen said, you're in the 80s, maybe high 70s during the daytime, but it's only going to get to like the lowest of lows, which won't be the case during the race itself. During those hours, it's like a high 50s. So I would say it's safe to say that during the actual run in the evening, 
you're more like in the 60s range. Yeah, probably the high mid 60s. Yeah, even. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty mild. Perfect, perfect for being out there and running. So things can change, things can happen, but history has shown that this is kind of a t-shirt and shorts kind of race. It's really great to have something, whether you put it in gear drop or in your car right at the finish line, because you will get cold at the finish line because it's dark. You don't have the sun anymore. And the Mm -hmm. temperature just keeps kind of getting a little bit cooler. So just make sure you've got uh, something, a puffy or a sweatshirt to throw on once you finish to get those wet clothes off. Perfect for whatever costume that you want to wear or whatever lights that you want to don yourself in. It's going to work just great. Honey Stinger helps you prepare, perform, and recover throughout your athletic journey. Made with delicious honey and organic ingredients, Honey Stinger provides the fuel you need to push harder and go farther. Discover what all the buzz is about on HoneyStinger.com. Use code VACATIONRACE30 for 30% off organic waffles, chews, gels, bars, and hydration to help you sweeten the burn. Let's go back to, we're parked by 4.30. Expo's going to end. Your last call for bib pickup is at 5 Mm o'clock. So make sure that you are there well before that because 5 o'clock is when we cut that off. We are going to start our raffles. We have a whole bunch of raffles and these raffles go really, this is always one of my favorite raffles because everybody's there. Everybody gets parked and we've got thousands of people doing raffles together. We'll have a bunch for you. We're going to do the first raffle at 430. So it definitely pays to be there early. And then we're going to have our pacers from Beast Pacing start to get us lined up. Kind of walk through that, Anna. At 530, pacers are going to line up. How do we line everybody up? Okay, so... Once you get, once you're at the event, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about, but it's this big open venue area and just, you see a lot of people. So we'll get on the microphone. We'll let our, our pacers know that um, it's time to line up. And so they'll be holding these large colored signs that say which, which wave they're in and their target finish time. So these pacers are going to be holding a sign that you're going to look at your bib and on everybody's bib, there is a wave indicated a color on there. So you're going to seed yourself near those colored signs to match yourself up to it. And this is based on the pace time that you had an expected finish time for the race. Um, if your plans changed, your training didn't go well, or you've got a friend that signed up and you guys are different paces, feel free to seed yourself into whatever wave you feel appropriate for the day. But it's just to help keep our crowd spread out and properly spaced for the start. So they're going to be holding up the signs. And at 530, we'll give the cues to kind of get situated in those and then we're going to order them in line. And so what we're going to do is because the starting line is just outside of the staging area where the finish line is, where everybody's gathering, we're going to walk you out kind of wave by wave to get started. We'll get everybody started within a decent amount of time. I'd say half an hour to 40 minutes, but we are going to pause each wave um, just a couple of minutes just to get things spread out because it chokes down quite quickly in the course right after the start line. So You'll get lined up and we'll send you out wave by wave, color by color, but everybody will get started relatively at the same time, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it is a little more of a slow roll out there just because within a quarter mile, you guys take a hard right hand turn and you're onto a narrower dirt road. And that's, mm-hmm. we're just trying to avoid the bottleneck. So usually once we get you started, we wait until those people are almost down to that turn before we start the next wave. So we're really giving you guys some space. And this is where it's important. If you're one of the faster runners and you're running for overall awards, you want to be in the very first wave that goes out because you're going to be on gun time. 
Everybody else, all the other age group awards, those are given off of chip time. So it doesn't matter if you start in the first wave or the last wave or somewhere in between. Your time doesn't start until you hit the start line. But those overall awards, those top five male, female and the master's overall awards, those are all based off of gun time. So we need you guys up front in the very first wave for that. So just keep that in mind. Everybody else just kind of chill. And it's it's really fun. We have some great music and we just roll you on out there. It is a little hilly. Okay, it's hilly, especially in the first few miles. The I'm just, first few miles, there's a definite hill. There's a definite, my favorite part, Anna, this is my very favorite part, because when I'm showing people the course and we're standing there in Joshua Tree, I'm like, okay, so you're going to go out that way. You see that hill right there. And at the top of the hill is a really, really steep hill. There's like this really gradual hill that goes up. And then there's this really, really steep one. But it's a really good landmark because you can see that. And people... Yeah think that they're going up it because you actually run straight towards it. So if you're running down the course, you're like, holy crap, are we going there? But you actually yeah. turn to the right-hand side of that really steep hill. So it's more of a gradual hill, those first like two, two and a half miles as you're headed up that first dirt road until you make your first right-hand turn. It's kind of like a giant rectangle basically is what this course is. It really is. is. It's it, like the, I was looking at the map the other day and it's like the state of Idaho tipped on its side and you're just running in this <laughs> clockwise loop. The it's very rudimentary Idaho, but still that's the, that's the state I could think of. It is, best. or, or it's, it's kind it. it's kind of like a Ute, it's sort or of Utah. a Utah. It's sort of a Utah with a little ant going on in the, with, with, with Wyoming, it, you know, Wyoming's encroaching a little bit. <laughs> so it's, it's uphill. You've got about, I, I would say about two and a half, two and three quarters mile is where you're going to top out on that first hill. And then mm -hmm. you're going to be a little more rolly until you get to mile six. About mile six, you're going to start getting on the pavement. And the pavement actually rolls upwards as well. And it has some hills there, which you'll top yeah. out at about mile, about mile 10-ish, um, mm -hmm. getting close to 10. And then it will start dropping back off. And you have a downhill finish. You do have a downhill finish. So, yeah. It's not and if you're looking at the elevation map or the elevation profile, <laughs> don't be too concerned. So, yes, there is a hill that Colleen just described, but it looks like a severe jump. But you have to look at the actual feet in, yes. in definition. So the lowest low on that little jump is probably like 2,300, 2,350 feet. And the, the highest high of that jump is like 2600. So right. it's not it's not major, but it's something to note for sure. I know. I actually love to look at this elevation chart cuz it looks like you're going to go in a 90 degree angle straight up a hill <laughs> and you're actually yeah. not. It's actually a very runnable hill. Um it might be a run and walk type of a hill whatever you are comfortable with, but don't get too too worried about it. There is a good hill there and your next bigger hill is going to come closer to between like mile 8 and 10 is where that that road kind of really starts to roll up. And so, but it's going to be good. Downhill finish. People really enjoy this. It's got a different vibe. I would say as far as course records go, the overall male course record is a 124. So if you're looking at that, it's a little bit slower and that's because the terrain's a little bit slower. You've got some sand in there as well. The overall female course record is a 134. So those are typically a little bit slower where we see a lot faster, say it like a Lake Powell or something like that. So mm -hmm. that just shows you that this course is not going to necessarily be your fastest PR course. So just go in knowing right. that. I think that's important yeah. to, to have that just kind of mindset that, oh, this course isn't designed to be fast. It's designed to get me out at sunset. And it's such a beautiful sunset out there. And then the stars come up. 
I don't know if you guys know this about Joshua Tree, but it's known for its night sky. I mean, it's known for its desert environment and the flora and fauna out there and the 29 palms and things like that. But it is also known for night sky viewing. It's one of the best places in the nation to go to view the night sky. People go out there all the time. So that's why we do it at night. That's why you run in the dark. Okay, Anna, I have to ask the question. Does the metal glow in the dark? It should. It better. <laughs> How about that for an answer? I have not yet seen the metal, but the, the plan is for it to glow. Your race shirt will definitely have some glowing um, accents to it, though. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. We, we love it when we can make things glow in the dark. So look forward to that. That'll be super fun. And the finish line is so great because I know, you know, when my husband's planning sound and, and everything for the finish line, he makes it a full party. He makes sure that there are lights and that there are, it's kind of like a club atmosphere. One year, I think they yeah. brought like flamethrowers and stuff. I mean, we, <laughs> we try to go out all out and make it a party. So you're coming out of the darkness, you're coming down those final hill and you're turning in and you're going to have this shoot all lit up just like a club. And we're going to have an awesome celebration at the finish line. So it is, it's worth being out there in the sand for a little bit because it's, it's such a great finish for you. So we'll finish right there. And then we are going to do our awards ceremony right there in person. What time is that going to happen at? That's going to be scheduled for 845. So right there back at the finish, we kind of get up on the stage or just this little area of kind of where the expo was taking place earlier that day for the award ceremony. And so we'll give away awards for overall masters, male and female, but we also give out age group awards five deep. So um, make sure you check, check your results. There's going to be a QR code there where you can check your results and see if you've placed. So you might want to stick around for that award ceremony at 845. Yeah. We'd love to let you go home with some more hardware and uh, more medals to, to have and to show off for Joshua Tree. All right. So Anna, if you're coming to visit Joshua Tree, what is maybe the one activity that you think people should do? Well, I think everybody has their own likes. And if I tell one thing, I don't think everybody should do that one thing because it would get very busy. It might inundate the place. It would get very but busy if everybody did one that. One highlight that I've personally enjoyed in the park is Hidden Valley. Um, it's kind of this lollipop loop. There's lots of rocks to climb around, a couple offshoot trails here and there. It's just very beautiful, very scenic. And there used to be, the legend goes that used to be cattle rustlers there that they'd go and hide their cattle there because it was kind of this cove or a bull of sorts to keep them keep them wrangled. Um, and so I, I, every time I go in there, I think about that and it's fun to just go and walk there. There's lots of little placards that talk about the plant life and maybe some of the small critters that you might find. So it's educational too. It's fun to take your kids, but it's also fun for adults. Yeah, and if you have some legs and you want to do some hiking, the Boy Scout Trail is a really great trail. It's fairly flat and it goes a full seven miles, but you can just do a little bit of it if you want to. And that really gets you in to see some of these really cool cacti. I mean, just the Joshua trees are so interesting. They almost look like something out of Dr. Seuss. We talk about that all the time. And that these trees just have a life of their own. And the Joshua mm -hmm. trees are really, really interesting to see. So Boy Scout Trail is another one that you can do. You can go over to 29 Palms and you can learn all about that. The Lost Palms Oasis and check that out. They've got the Key Ranch, which has tours at it. That's a historical site. And that's located kind of on the, it's like a half mile 
that you have to go and the tour is about 90 minutes long. So that's from the Oasis Visitor Center. But you can also just drive through from Joshua Tree, the city, over mm-hmm. to 29 Palms is a really great drive to let you see really what Joshua Tree is all about. So make sure to get in there. Like we mentioned before, our neocaching app will give you some great suggestions on things to do. For over 40 years, Nathan has provided best-in-class running essentials designed to help runners enhance and improve their performance mile after mile and year after year. From our hydration vests and handhelds to our safety gear and apparel, Nathan products deliver on what matters most to you. Intuitive design, comfort, quality, and smart storage. Check us out at NathanSports.com or follow at NathanSportsInc on Instagram. Oh, and I almost forgot... Anna, we've got Race Joy on this as well. If you've got some spectators right. coming, this is not a spectator friendly course. And actually, we don't want spectators out there driving on these roads because it just yeah. it would be really dangerous for you guys out there running. And we want to limit as much traffic and dust as possible from vehicles. So spectators just hang with us right there at the Joshua Tree Lake. RV and campground. That's a fun place to hang out. It doesn't take too long before we start getting finishers. And it's always a fun place, but you can use RaceJoy. If the runner downloads the RaceJoy app and the spectator has the RaceJoy app, the spectator can follow along when the runner starts that RaceJoy app when they start the race. So super fun. And I've recorded a whole bunch of fun facts and things you might not know about Joshua Tree to give you some information. So about every mile, it'll click off and you'll be able to hear a little message. It's kind of like an audio tour guide of your race course. So race joy is super fun to use. Yeah. And I have so much fun, really fun. fun creating those too. I got to create some brand new content, you know, for this one too. So we'll get some new stuff for you on there as well. So make sure to use race joy. Okay. Anna, are we missing anything? We get excited. We don't want to talk about it all. There is one, a couple more things I wanted to make mention of. So we talked about the shape of the course or the general shape where it's kind of just like this big rectangle that you're going to go in clockwise fashion. And that is true. Um, but you have to know when that turn happens. So uh, as I mentioned point. earlier, it, it is dark, as you know, it is a night race. Um, and we will have these um, solar spotlights that are shining lights on our mile marker flags and our major turns. So our major turns are going to have large arrows that are reflective, which is another reason why everybody needs to have a light so that your light will illuminate this arrow as you come up upon it. Um, we're going to do our best to make sure things are visible to make sure you've got those key turns. It's essentially, you're going to right out of the gate, you're going to make a left-hand turn on the road for just a short minute, and then you're going to take a right-hand turn and you're on this for the first uh, first almost four miles, Yeah. and then take another right-hand turn and then you're heading north. And then you're going to take another right-hand turn at about mile six and then head east. And then you're going straight and then another right-hand turn to head south. So, you know, it's we're on this tail end of the square at this point. But just, just keep in mind that you do want to be mindful of where those turns are and keep, keep your own um, course in your mind. You know, look at the course, study it ahead of time, kind of know about where you need to turn because you don't want to necessarily only rely on the person in front of you because if the person in front of you was watching the person in front of them and that person in front wasn't paying attention they took a wrong turn all of a sudden all three of you are off track so I just want to put that out there to say make sure you have your own race in mind your own safety and your own course in your mind so that you can make those right turns because there is a chance you might miss a turn if you're distracted with your friends or you're looking up at the beautiful night sky just be mindful of where those turns are again we'll do our best to mark it but 
it could be tricky to see some turns in the dark just because of the nature of dim light. Yeah, for sure. And when you're looking at the map, you know, it looks like the the turns are at exact mile markers. They're not going to be. You know how that works. So don't mm-hmm. rely on that either. Make sure you're watching the course markings. The course will be marked very, very well, especially for our front runners. If you are some of those athletes in that blue wave who are headed out in front, really pay attention. You know you've got these turns coming up. Know that you've got a turn around mile four. Know that you have a turn around mile six and a turn around mile 10. Have that in your brain so you're looking for it because it would be easy just to have your head down and you just keep going and you'll be somewhere way out in the desert over by the Marine Corps base and you don't want to be out there. So yeah, let's make sure to pay attention. That is a really, really good point on that one. That's kind of the difference of being in the dark and take it as you, it's your responsibility to make sure you're going in the right way. So don't follow people in front of you. And if you do see somebody going the wrong way, try to yell at them and get their attention. Yeah. And you know, if you're wearing headphones, we suggest maybe a single headphone or don't have it as loud so that you are able to hear people around you yelling at you if you're going the wrong mm-hmm. direction. Okay. What else, Anna? Uh, I think that's it. Make sure you've, you know, pre-test your battery, pre-test your flashlight. That's not a bad thing. You know, it might be a minute since you've run in the dark and our merchandise booth will have a small amount of headlamp, headlamps and a small amount of batteries, but do your best to pre-plan so that everything's in order. You've got all your gear and it's just less stress once you arrive. And if you do need some last minute things while you're there, there's a Walmart down in Yucca Valley. So if you keep going through Joshua Tree, the city, because there's Joshua Tree, the national park and Joshua Tree, the city. If you keep going through Joshua Tree, there's actually a Walmart down there and some other commercial developments. So if you are needing some last minute things, I had to buy some tights last year because it was so cold. (laughs) So I have my Joshua Tree tights that I went to Walmart and found some $7 tights so that I could wear. I was like, oh my gosh, I only brought pants. I had forgotten my tights. And and you need a little (laughs) something to cover up with at the finish line. It wasn't that it was freezing, but I just needed a little something to stand there. So there was a Walmart yeah. down there. I think we had to buy toothbrushes as well. I feel like we forgot a lot when we went to Joshua Tree last year. <laughs> we got it all for you. My goodness, but they did have it all. So enjoy yourselves. If you guys have any questions about Joshua Tree, you can reach out to Anna. What's your email, Anna? My email is Anna at vacationraces.com. You can also reach out to our customer service team, which is info at vacationraces.com. Okay, super easy. And Another shout out for our Friends of Vacation Races Facebook page. It's such a great Facebook page. And if you have questions, you want to hear from other people who have run this course and their recommendations, definitely go on there and ask a question because it's such a great community who has lots of great advice for you, except for the people who ran Joshua Tree the first year. The course is totally different. So if they ran it the first year, don't listen to them. Don't listen (laughs) to them. We learned a lesson and we changed some things. Yeah. If you think this course after, you know, after listening to this and after running the course, if you think that was Sandy, the first year probably was not best for we'll you. We'll give you another course. It was yeah. ultra Sandy. It was ultra Sandy and it was very, very hilly. And you know what? We made it a little bit easier for you guys. So when you're going yeah, up, we that do hill. take your feedback and uh, we improve upon the races every year. So we hope you enjoy this race this year. Yeah. I think you guys will enjoy it. How many years is this for Joshua Tree now? Is this number four? Four, five. I want to say it's five. I think it is Are we at five. five now because Let we missed see. 2020. So 17, 18, 19, 21, 22. Did we start in 17 or did we start? In... This is the fifth. Yeah. Yep, it was 2017. 
Oh my gosh, I thought we were closing in on that craziness. And of course, on the year that we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of Vacation Races. So how fitting is that? It's its half awesome. It's its half anniversary at Joshua Tree. So <laughs> come and get ready to celebrate, guys. We cannot wait to party with you in the desert and close out our 2022 season. If you want to see our 2023 season, we have some information already coming out on that registrations already open for things like Saguaro and Zion and Zion Ultra and Antelope Canyon. All that's already open. It's at vacationraces.com. And Saguaro has a price jump coming up. And we just had some breaking news on the Saguaro side. We got a new finish line for Saguaro and it's in old Tucson. And that is a Western movie set. It's going to be so cool. Lyle, the race director, he was so excited when he talked to me about it. Like, he called yeah. me. And if he was you like, enjoy this desert run, yes, like, and you also want another experience, like Saguaro is a is a whole nother unique, totally different. Run. So yep. don't think it's the same. Like that's the unique thing about our Alamo races because we give you a whole variety of different things. Even if it's desert, it's different desert compared to a different desert. So if you enjoyed Joshua Tree after this event, consider signing up for Saguaro because it's an entirely different atmosphere there. Totally. And Saguaro cacti, oh my gosh, they are just so different. And they don't have any of those in Joshua Tree. So it's kind of fun to get a little lower in that third desert area that we have in that desert Southwest. So very cool. So shout out for Saguaro. We got a price jump coming on October 31st. So watch out for that and sign up. And we'd love to see you in 2023. Thanks for running with Vacation Races. You've been listening to the Vacation Races and Friends podcast. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at vacationraces.com with comments, concerns, or stories you'd love to share. Make sure to watch for more episodes coming soon to vacationraces.com. This episode was produced by Colleen Rue in the Festival Sound Studio. For information about music licensing, contact Dane at vacationraces.com.